Hey, it's Chris Urban. Welcome to the Triple Clicks Video Game Marketing Podcast. Before starting this video game agency, I almost spent half my life working in sports one way or another. From being a bad boy for the Seattle Mariners to pay my way through college, to spending almost a decade at EA Sports with some amazing people, sports has always been my passion. So this podcast is a little different, a throwback of sorts to my sports days. I had my good friend John Carlin, the head sports booker for Jimmy Kimmel Live, sit down so we could trade some of our favorite moments in sports. I hope you enjoy the conversation. John Carlin, sports talent executive for Jimmy Kimmel Live. Thank you for doing this. Well, thanks for having me. We have been friends for 15, 16 years, a long time. It hurts that you don't know the exact year. I know the exact date, like, because you made me write it. Doug made me write a check for us to become friends. <laughs> I'm not cheap. So I remember the amount that we became friends on. Uh, you, uh, when I started to do a podcast, my first thought was uh, I wanted a friend to come on and just tell stories with me. And so I do a bunch of business podcasts, but I thought it'd be fun to have you on. And we've done so much crazy stuff over the last 15 years that I wanted to have you on and just tell stories. Thank you. I like telling stories. You do. And you're great at it. Some are true. Some are false. All your, I just told you, you are literally living the big, like that movie, Tim Burton's The Big Fish movie. Like, you literally have had better, more experiences. You, your life is a bucket list, which is amazing. I so, love that movie. Uh, you've not seen that movie, but <laughs> how, um, how did, before you got to Jimmy Kimmel, before we became friends, we got a lot of Jimmy Kimmel stories. You started uh, Roy Firestone back in the day. Yes, I, was, uh, I went to Sportscasters Camp of America. And at the sportscasters camp was Roy Firestone. And it was a, a camp where you can go and learn how to be a sportscaster. Ronald Reagan was there, Bob Costas, um, Joe Myers, pretty much every sportscaster you could ever want to meet. And they kind of gave um, a symposium on what it was like to be a sportscaster, how to get into the business, and just, you know, it was a perfect place for me to go and just see if this is really what I wanted to do. So I followed Roy out to his car, which he didn't really appreciate. There's going to be a and, whole bunch of stories where you follow people places and stalk them. Yeah, I kind of stalk them. And I followed him to his car, and I said, I said, hey, Roy, I go, I want to be your intern. And he goes, oh, well, we don't really need an intern. And I said, oh, that's cool, but you know, when you do, I'd like to be your intern. And he goes, okay, call Cindy Katz, but give it a few months, and uh, you know, I'm sure we'd like to interview you and see if you know, we can have you as my intern. So the next day I called, and uh, Cindy answered the phone, and I told her that Roy said for me to call her, even though I was supposed to wait three to six months. And so uh, she invited me up. She goes, well, if Roy said, come on up, you know. And so I, I dressed up as a, in a suit, and I came up to Hollywood, which was my first time, I think, coming to Hollywood. And, um, and the last time you were in a suit. The last time I was in a suit, too. Yeah, I came in, and they thought I was Mark Grace from the Cubs. So they led me into the green room, and uh, I ate some Subway sandwiches, which I wasn't supposed to eat, apparently. And I thought, this is a great job. You know, I get to come and <laughs> eat Subway. Then they took me into the control room after they found out that I wasn't Mark Grace and said, John, you're like the intern. You don't eat the Subway sandwiches. You go get them. <laughs> and then um, I got to meet, like, the director and everybody. And then all of a sudden, Roy came in. And Cindy turned and goes, and of course you know Roy. And Roy goes, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, I thought you said I could be your intern. He goes, no, I told you to call me in six months, and we would interview you to see about being an intern. And Cindy kind of looked at me like, oh, you're such a liar. You know? <laughs> and so uh, luckily they, I kind of made an impression on everybody, and they kind of liked me. And I think it was kind of a funny story that I was so ballsy. And they just kept me. And so I worked at uh, Up Close for five years, got to work with Jim Rome too. And, uh, so you were there five years. What... Um 
What was your favorite story from, from Roy before we go to Jim? Um, I think the best thing about Roy, Roy could like make you feel like he was like a sports psychiatrist in a way. He could make you feel like you were just talking to a friend, kind of like we are, and you would just tell him anything. And he, I'll never forget like how many people came on and would just tell him things that they probably weren't supposed to, you know. And he broke a lot of news stories that way. And a lot of tears on that show. If a lot I of yeah. He made a lot of people cry, but he was like that's why I said he's like a sports psychiatrist because he could really make you just kind of tell your inner feelings. And if you're an athlete, that's something you kind of are private about and you don't share with people on the air. He did it. I watched him when I was, I'm going to make you feel older, but when I was younger, I used to watch his show all the time and I loved it. I remember he was on Jerry Maguire. Were you, yep. you guys did the Jerry, tell me about the Jerry Maguire piece. Yeah. He, they wanted to use him for Jerry Maguire and, and then Cuba Gooding Jr. was the star of the movie at the time and, uh, came in and did a thing with Roy and, and uh, it was a really you know, fun. They used our studio in the set and made it seem like, you know, Jimmy, I mean, uh, Roy was interviewing this, uh, you know, famous football player. And uh, it was just fun. We were all there to watch it. And I was also there, too, for when Jim Rome had the Chris Everett incident, even though that wasn't Chrissy, with my show. Chrissy, yeah. Chris Everett? Chrissy yeah. Everett? Yeah, Chrissy with, Everett. Yeah, that was kind of a surprise. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, so Jim Everett comes on. Tell the backstory. Jim Everett comes on, and Jim was making fun of him on the air at the time and kind of uh, insinuating that he was more like Chris Everett instead of, you know, a football player. And For a long time, yeah. before he came on, right? On the radio, yep. on, on everything. And so uh, my friend Nick Sacanino got a call from, who was the talent booker at the time, and got a call from uh, Chris Everett, or Jim Everett's people. and so said, you're still yeah, doing it. I know, see? I, I, <laughs> I got caught. So anyway, he said, hey, Jim Everett called up and said, hey, I want to bury this hatchet with Rome. I want to come on and talk about, you know, like, why, why you know, I just want to put an end to it. And Jim goes, okay, you know, well, I'm on. And are you sure he wants to come on? <laughs> I didn't think he would come on. So he comes on and... Uh, he definitely wanted to put an end to it and uh, just said, hey, if you call me that one more time. Jim, of course, you know, didn't want to let his fans down and said, hey, Chris Everett, glad to have you with us. And Jim goes, I bet you don't call me that again because they kind of had an agreement just to do it once. And he goes, I bet you I do. Before this show's over, I'm probably going to call you that one more time. And Jim Everett goes, no, you're not. And he goes, okay, Chris. And then Jim flew across the table. Flips the table. Flips the table over. And I actually had to get pulled off. We didn't have a studio audience. I was in there, and I actually got... How many people are in the room? Probably like seven or eight. Three cameramen and like a couple of us just, you know. And uh, I remember walking Jim out of down the hallway, and he's going, God, I, 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 he didn't hit him or anything, but we went to black at the perfect time, so people thought it was staged to get publicity for Jim Rome's show. And it wasn't. It was just a, an actual occurrence, and the director did a really good job of going to black right at the perfect time, but... It made headlines. It was an iconic moment in sports. It back really in the day. was, yeah. And it was amazing. He, didn't you say he punched a hole in the wall? What is no, it? Jim Everett was walking out, and I was walking with him, and he kind of punched the wall, but not... No hole. No hole, but... I heard you still have the coffee mug that he broke from that. I do. I have coffee <laughs> mugs from that table. You know, I wish I had the table. That would have been better, but <laughs> they would have caught me sneaking that one out. What was working with Jim Rome like? Jim Rome was uh, a guy, he's like a consummate professional. Roy was too, but Jim Rome was very focused and he didn't want to do a lot of chit chat with you. You know, like I remember when he was going through the hallways, we were kind of friends because I knew a lot about boxing and we talk about boxing a lot, but he really just wanted to go to his room and, and just, you know, he was doing Mighty 690, so he was doing sports in the morning and then he kind of had a radio show in the morning, so he had this at night, so he was pretty busy. And I remember um, when I was later at Fox, uh, I was with a bunch of friends from Best Damn Sports Show where I was working, and 
uh, Jim Rome pulled up at his porch. He goes, hey, Carlin, what's going on? And I go, hey, Romy, what's up? And so then he went up and they go, Rome, talk to you. He knows your name. And everybody at Fox was like surprised because I guess he you know, doesn't really talk to anybody. So it was kind of funny. They, I got some, some uh, you know, props from my friends because you know, Rome knew my name. Oh, that's awesome. So how long were you at, how long were you with Rome? I was with uh, Roy Firestone for five years. Chris Myers eventually took over for him for two of those five years. So I was with Roy for three, Chris for two, and then I'd like, you know, just help out with Rome's stuff every once in a while. But mainly, um, you know, Rome was just becoming this big, huge mega star, and it was just kind of fun to see that, you know, him becoming such a big star at the time. Because Roy had been doing this for 15 years. We were the longest-running show on sports cable, and Roy had won tons of, you know, Ace Awards and Emmys and stuff like that, so... It was pretty. Um, it was a pretty nice run. It's a good time to get on Jim Rome show when the big iconic moment happens. Too. Yeah, it was so, fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So you did Best Damn for a year. Did some fun stuff there. Yeah, I went to Best Damn after that, and um, actually, I, I started my own company with another friend of mine, Nick Sacanino. We had a, a sports marketing company, and uh, we just worked for ESPN. We did all their parties and their magazine and anything that I, a good friend of mine, Mark Shapiro, kind of was running things over at ESPN at the time. Hired us. And he worked with, you know, Jim Rome and, and Roy Firestone as well. So once we left ESPN, we kind of wanted to start our own thing. And I took Nick and Nick and I were business partners and we did that for, it's still, his company's called Global Sports and Entertainment and they're still going on. And that was like 20 years ago. I gotcha. And, and then, then I went to uh, uh, Broadband Sports, which was an internet startup, because uh, I wanted to, you know, just be around a lot more people. Because Nick and I, just being in a bungalow in Santa Monica was... You know, for three years was stunting my social habits, and I just needed to get around more people. So I went to uh, Broadband Sports at the time. Was trying to buy out our company to do all the booking for all these like uh, uh, chats on AOL and Yahoo, and all that stuff was starting to come. So we would book athletes and then do you know live uh, chats on online, and um, it was kind of fun. It was just uh, it, going to Broadband Sports was a lot of fun too. I worked with so many people, like tons of different people, and I would get athletes to do their websites, you know, way before, you know, it was probably yeah. time to do that. Well, that's awesome. How did you, uh, how'd you get over to Jimmy Kimmel and what's, uh, what you, what's your Jimmy story? Yeah, I went to, uh, work for best damn sports show period. And it was with Tom Arnold and John Sally and John Cruck and Michael Irvin and John Sally. And, uh, it was funny cause there was five hosts and it was a two hour live show. And it was like, uh, Kind of scary in the sense that I've never worked on a show where you had five hosts and then I would have to book a guest. And I can't tell you how many times I had a guest come and these guys would get in a fight and they'd get like one or two questions. And then I'm walking them back to their you know, car, their limo to take them home. And they're going, John, don't ever book me on the show again, <laughs> you know, because they only got like two questions asked. But it was a, a really fun show. And it was like uh, it was it was cool. It was Fox's first real like sports talk show. And it was fun to work with. You know, all those guys. And then Michael Irvin and John Sally were then so nice. They'd always come over and say hi to me, like, every morning, you know, before we'd start. And I was just, like, uh, I really liked working on it. That's awesome. How did you – and so you left there a year? A little over I was there a year for the first year of Best Damn. And uh, I uh, got a job with uh, Jimmy Kimmel, who was doing all the, the football prog- – you know, like, the you know, like all the – the kind of prognication, I forgot how to say the word. Prognostication. Yes. And to thank you. And um, I wasn't sure if I was going to get it either. So I Yeah, you quiet. did a really good job. <laughs> so anyway, I, I worked there and I saw I saw 
Jimmy and I was just kind of intrigued and I went over to work for, I got an interview over there. So I went over there and um, I got interviewed and uh, Daniel Kellison, who was the producer said, Hey, I think uh, John's the best booker at um, best damn sports show. I think he'd be great on the show. And Jimmy goes, well, um, maybe they're just telling us that and then we're going to get stuck with them. And then Jimmy just kind of walked away and I got hired and I was kind of scared. I didn't know if he liked me or not, but that's just Jimmy's humor. If Jimmy likes you and he, he jokes around with you. And did you come on before his ABC, before the ABC gig when he was, you know, the late night with Jimmy Kimmel, were you on before you were on before that with him? No, I just came right when, with just ABC. Just for that one? Yeah, just for that one. Cause he had, he had like crank anchors and man show okay. and you know, so win you, Ben Stein's money before that. He brought a lot of the guys over from crank anchors yep. uh, to, to the late night. What was that like being the new guy? It was hard, you know. I remember that first uh, first week I was there. Um, cousin Sal, who is Jimmy's cousin, who I really like now, um, decided to push me over Adam Carolla, who was who was on all fours behind me, and I fell into a beanbag, and I think I got initiated just like a frat would. And uh, I remember tumbling over, and I came back to my office, and I go, "Who are those fuckers?" You know. And then I realized who they were, and I realized I had to get along with yeah, them. So I slowly became friends. <laughs> Those people were going to be the ones. Your, I remember Jimmy was, I can't remember, it was the San Diego Super Bowl. Right. Raiders, Tampa Bay Bucks. I believe he debuted that night after that game. And I remember I was at the game. I was working for Wizards of the Coast at the time. I was doing sport. We had a sports business, so I was, I was at the, I went to that game. But I remember being such a fan of Jimmy. And I remember sprinting back to my hotel post game to number one, avoid the Raiders fans, but number two, to actually like, I was excited to see Jimmy's first show. Uh, who's your first guest that night? Well, we had George Clooney who was a big name. And then we had uh, Snoop Dogg co-hosting and then uh, Coldplay out on the boulevard with 10,000 people. And then it was my job to get Warren Sapp or some player from the Super Bowl that had a good game and we chose Warren Sapp. We kind of worked with Disney through that. For the so next your week. job is to get Warren Sapp from San Diego to L.A. in an hour and a half? To <laughs> about, to, about an hour and a half, yeah. We had an hour and a half to kill. And uh, it was funny because we, I pulled him out of the... And I didn't know Warren Sapp at all. I'd never met him before. But we pulled him out of the locker room. And again, it was the What's Next Disney people that helped. And we put him on a golf cart, covered him with like jackets so that nobody would recognize him. And then put him on a golf cart, and we started taking off to go to uh, this car that was going to take us to this helicopter. And so, uh, ironically, the best damn people were chasing us with their camera crew. And Tom Arnold was front and center and said, hey, uh, John, I need, a, I need a word with Warren. And Warren's going, I'll talk to Tom, but we just didn't have time. So I just said, sorry, Tom, we don't have time. And we kind of took off on the golf cart. And Warren gets in the uh, limo with a couple of his buddies and his agent, Drew Rosenhaus and Robert Bailey. And we're all kind of sitting there. And then... I decided to, you know, talk to Warren for the first time, and it wasn't a real good idea because <laughs> I said, hey, Warren, um, did you bring your jersey from the locker room? And he goes, no, I didn't bring my jersey. I, he goes, you got me out of there so fast, I barely got my jewelry. And he, hold up, he held up his bag of jewelry, um, which looked quite expensive. And then I said, um, oh, and he goes, why are you asking me if I brought my jersey? And I go, oh, because Snoop Dogg wanted to wear it on the show tonight. And he goes, everybody knows that Snoop Dogg's a Raiders fan, and we just beat the Raiders, so don't talk to me the rest of this trip. And so I go, oh, okay. And so I stopped talking. <laughs> and so um, we get into the plane, and uh, well, actually it was a helicopter. We were getting into a helicopter, and Drew Rosenhaus and Robert Bailey are facing each other. It was a four-seater 
helicopter for the guests. We had two pilots, and um, we had um, all of a sudden I'm sitting like knee to knee with Warren. And I don't know why they put the two biggest guys on that side of the helicopter, but Warren and I were knee to knee. And then um, all of a sudden, like I'm closing my eyes, I'm listening to Enya music on the headphones. And uh, it was kind of appropriate that Enya was playing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I, I got this big slap on, like, you know, it was like a player would slap the guy's helmet on my earphone. It was Warren. And I go, yes, Warren. I thought we weren't talking. <laughs> and he goes, hey, have you ever been on a helicopter before? And I said, yeah, I, I was one on one in Hawaii. And it's really, it's really safe. I go, we got the best helicopter. It's a Disney copter. And I go, it's one of the best copters. We even have two pilots. Most helicopters only have one. And he goes, well, is it scary? And I go, no, it's not scary. I go, you, you know. It will we'll be fine. So we uh, take off, and uh, I guess we're friends again. And then we're, we were uh, 15 minutes early to landing on Hollywood High School's field, which is adjacent to our studio. And uh, the pilots decided to go through downtown L.A. sideways and through the buildings and kind of give us a thrill ride, which, by the way, was a complete surprise to Warren. And all of a sudden, I have a stomach on my face <laughs> because he's trying to get to the pilots to kill them. <laughs> And so I said, Warren, you can't kill the pilots because we can't land. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's true. So Wait till you land before you kill yeah, them. Yeah, so when we got out, I had two, um, I had two double cheese uh, fat burgers waiting for him. And he was pretty happy about that. And then we were standing next to Gwyneth Paltrow watching Coldplay. Then we jump on the uh, helicopter. No, we went straight to Burbank and jumped on Michael Eisner at the time, who was the CEO for Disney, and jumped on his private jet, took that back to San Diego. Within, like, 40 minutes, we were back in San Diego. And uh, Drew Rosenhaus, myself, and Warren went in a limo to his party at the hotel, and he only missed a half an hour of the party. So not only do we have him on the show like an hour and a half after the game, but then he was back in San Diego celebrating with his teammates. And he picked me up out of the limo and lifted me in the air, and he goes, you're my helicopter buddy. And I go, oh, thanks, Warren. Put me down now. <laughs> and uh, so we, he put me down, and then I get back in the limo, and Warren ran off to his party, and he gave me a Super Bowl hat you know, that they get you know, on the T-shirt. And Drew Rosenhouse goes, John, you know, you're quite remarkable. I've never seen Warren hate somebody so much at the beginning of a meeting, you know, like just meeting each other and liking somebody at the end. He goes, uh, that was pretty remarkable. I think a private plane and a helicopter. It kind of <laughs> helped, yeah. Chips, in, chips yeah. into that relationship. It did. Just a good example of, like, that's that's the gig, right? That's, that's what you do is chase that talent to get people i mean it's it's competitive space right you've got to deal with the other late night shows you've got to deal with daytime shows but it's really about finding that talent in the key moment and bringing them on totally and that's everybody's after that chase i mean i've won a lot but i've also lost to some too and you know you take it really personally you know because uh i think one good thing about where i work now is jimmy kimmel is such a sports guy and and really you know likes having the athletes on and has really good relationships with a lot of these athletes that have been built up over the years. And, you know, he's friends with Tony Romo, he's friends with Kobe, he's friends with Shaq, you know, it's like all these guys have become friends over time. And so I think that's helped, um, you know, solidify these relationships. And yeah, it makes it authentic because they're not just going on a show for a guy that to be on the show. It's it's a guy who's a sports fan and Jim, you know, Jimmy's got that authentic sports kind of relationship with these guys. Right. Uh, Super Bowl always the toughest to pull somebody from. Like if, yeah. if you've got to think of like all of the the NBA Finals, the Masters, all the things that you're where you're pulling talent from. Is the Super Bowl the toughest? I would say so because um, 
there's no bigger event in the world than the Super Bowl. I mean, it's bigger than the Oscars even. And it's bigger than any other event that you can even think of, you know, besides maybe the Olympics. But Or the Oscars where you screw up kind of the end of the show, kind of. Like, that's always a big moment. Yeah, that's kind of like, yeah. <laughs> that is a big moment. I will stay away from that one. Um, <laughs> But uh, the one thing I, I did notice is that when I've ever gone to Super Bowls, and you've been to a lot of them too, you know, with what mm-hmm. you do, um, just the magnitude of the press. I mean, there's more press and media there than anybody I've ever seen. And more importantly for you is probably security, right? Like, because you're, you're angling, like, you're not doing what the press are supposed to be doing. You're kind of oh, yeah, I'm like kind of slipping. Yeah, I've been like, yeah, I'm trying to get down on the field. I'm trying to get the right person. I'm trying to get in the locker room, and I don't have those credentials, even though I probably should. But I hate talking about it. The worst kind of experience. But Super Bowl, uh, the Seattle Seahawks, Pittsburgh Steelers in Detroit. Uh, I think would you pull Bettis that night? Yeah, we got Jerome Bettis to come on the show. Tell me that story. How did that happen? Yeah, luckily I had worked at a place called Orange County News Channel for a couple of years as an intern, and then I became a producer there. And I got to a lot of the Jerome Bettis and Pat Terrell and, um, uh, you know, Todd Light were, you know, on the Rams. And I'm a big Notre Dame fan, so I got to become friends with those guys. And I had them on our shows a lot, and I got to know them pretty well. So um, Jerome, he's like a big kid. So when I saw him and, you know, they had just won the Super Bowl, I couldn't get anybody on. I can't get people to commit before the Super Bowl, but I was able to get um, to to see Jerome. And I just said, Hey, Jerome, will you come and do the show? And he said, Hey, I'd love to. Uh, so far I have like 12 people with me and I go, don't worry, we'll take care of them. And we got him right off the field. And how did you get to him on? Was he on the field? Was he was on the field doing interviews, but he was only going to do like, uh, the Pittsburgh interview and NFL network. And then he was done. Cause he goes, I'm only doing three interviews. So stay with me. Don't leave. And you were filming, you, you were filming in Detroit that night, right? Did Correct. you guys do a big setup there? Yep. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. We had P Diddy on the show that night and then Antoine Randall L his teammate came with him and, uh, it was quite, and then it was, it was just yeah, a piece with Eminem playing basketball a couple nights earlier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was all kind of Detroit centric, you know what I sure. mean? So, but then to have, you know, Jerome actually walk like a hundred yards. And it was funny because I gave, um, a cop $200 to just let us through this gate. And he goes, are you bribing me? And I go, no. And he goes, well then take that money out of my hands. And I go, Oh, sorry. So I could have probably got arrested at the same time, but I just wanted a quick, you know, pathway to get Jerome to our show, which was right around the corner. Did you, like, stalk the field pregame? Or, like, where were you in the middle of the game, weren't you? I was probably running around the field. If I remember correctly, you were sneaking around, and someone said, that guy shouldn't be here, and you kept yeah, going. Yeah, then NFL security was after me. Wherever, Whatever sideline they were on, I was on the opposite one, but we kept playing, uh, you know, we kept playing hide-and-seek. <laughs> And I kind of lost that game, so I ended up in the tunnel for most of the game. But I got to go out there uh, and watch halftime, which the Rolling Stones were playing, so that was kind of cool. There you go. So that's good. Um, you've worked with a ton of people. Dana White, you guys do. You guys used to have a lot of Dana White. Work with Dana pretty closely. Yeah, a lot of MMA guys came on our show, like Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz and Tank Abbott. And, yeah, tell, we, we had a lot. Tell me the story where you go out to dinner with Dana White and he orders 10 things off the menu oh, yeah, just we for to, you. <laughs> we went to Mastro's uh, Steakhouse and... I think I was being wined and dined um, <laughs> pretty heavily, actually, because I was with a guy from a writer from Playboy and then another writer from Men's Fitness, and he just wanted to kind of say hi to us and have dinner with us. And um, he ended up ordering two seafood towers. There's only four of us there, or five people, the PR guy um, from you know UFC. And uh, he ordered two seafood towers. And I go, Dana, you must love seafood. And he goes, no, actually, I hate it. It's all for you guys. So after two and a half lobsters and a bunch of shrimp, 
I ordered my petite filet, and he goes, oh, John will have the porterhouse, the 36-ounce porterhouse. He goes, you're not eating a petite filet around me. And I agreed. And um, so I barely polished that off. Yeah, how much ordered, did you eat? Did you eat all 36 ounces? I think I did, except for the bone. Okay. And then I, um, we had desserts, and uh, he gave me... He got two desserts off, you know, the whole thing. And I go, Dana, you must love desserts. And he goes, I don't eat sugar. It's for you guys. So we ate quite heavily that night. He but, used to take good care of you, didn't But he was really funny, too. His stories were, like, really amazing. Didn't he used to upgrade you? Like, he used to take good care of you. You and Dana were close. Oh, really? Now you're going to get me in trouble here. Yes. Well, one time I was at the Hard Rock, and uh, I had dinner with him at uh, the Nine Steakhouse. And then when I came back, uh, somebody knocked on my door and brought me up to the presidential suite for Memorial Day for three days. So that was kind of nice. Who buys a better dinner at Mastro's, Dana White or myself? Yours was, yours was more impressive with the company, I would say. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you had some, you had some. I only bought you one seafood tower, so it wasn't as. Yeah, impressive. but you got the lobster mashed potatoes, so I didn't forget that. Lobster mashed potatoes are great. I think that was we had just had uh, Vince Young on the show. Yep. And we went out to dinner afterwards. The funny thing I remember about that we we said, "Do you want to?" I said, "Let's." Vince was like, "Let's go get dinner," and I said, "Where do you want to go?" And he said, "Mastro's." And I said, "Do you want to come?" And you were like, "Yeah, I'm in." And you came, and then I think I said yes in the same time Vince was saying Mastro's. Yeah. <laughs> And then Scott Igo was like, I have no interest in going out to dinner with you guys. And then we said Mastro's, and he's like, oh, I'm coming. Oh, yeah, he actually changed his Scott, mind pretty quick. Yeah. I love Scott. I want to be able to throw Scott under the bus a little bit. But My boy. favorite was the Clyde Drexler. You know, he couldn't get a table, and he ran into you at the front desk, and you go, hey, come this way, Clyde. <laughs> and he had just won Dancing with the Stars that night. He won Dancing with the Stars that night, and he was in, I think he was in line before us, in front of us, and said, I'll eat just a table for one, and they said it's going to be about an hour. And then we had rolled in. We are like, yeah, we'll take table for six and, and Clyde Jackson was like what the fuck I was like you want to eat with us and he's like yes so he actually came up my favorite part of that dinner was uh when Vince Young had ordered this steak and they brought it over and they've they've got pot holders and everything and they're like the the plate's like 1200 degrees and he's like I'll take it and I'm like you just signed your rookie contract and you're trying to take <laughs> a take 1200 it. degree plate with your bare hands that's like, true that was that a little scary been, that would have been terrible my favorite part that Chris isn't telling is uh Chris got the last rental car at LAX that night, and it was a Mini Cooper, so we rolled up in that at Mastro's and parked at Valet, which was pretty impressive. Uh, if you remember correctly, I don't know if it was a Mini Cooper. I thought it was one of those PT Cruisers. <laughs> Maybe it was a PT Cruiser. <laughs> yeah. PT Cruiser in the Valet. We definitely, we definitely didn't look like we belonged at Mastro's that night. Pulling out of Valet at Mastro's, the, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the Valet PT walks Cruiser. up, and I'm like, oh, John, are you too drunk to drive? I'll drive your car. <laughs> like, like I was <laughs> I was not taking credit yeah. for a PT car. I think I was drunk on butter. Uh, yeah, I, was just, I just wanted everybody to know that was your car. Yeah, I know. Mine, you made so. sure that everybody knew. Vince uh, and Clyde were not impressed. Uh, they were not. But, you know, what's you know, one of my favorite stories is Bill Simmons and uh, the Tiger Woods and Jimmy Kimmel spat. That Ooh, that was we, not good. We, cre- we created, You guys created that, not That me. was not me. That was Wendy. Yeah. What's, your, what's, your, what's your take of the Tiger Woods, Bill Simmons story? Well, Tiger Woods was showing up across the street from us, and it couldn't have been an easier location for us just to have Jimmy run over this and say hello. the launch of Tiger, probably Tiger 06 or 07 or something like yes. that. Yes. We were doing a... We're doing an L.A. tour, and we had agreed to sit down with Bill Simmons to do a piece with Tiger across the street from your guys' office. And all I wanted was Jimmy to walk across the street and say hello, and I got turned down. 
And I didn't understand why I got turned down because I had such great friends at EA at the it time. Wasn't me. I wasn't there. It wasn't me. And uh, anyway, we were told no, we couldn't come over. So that caused a big riff. It caused a little bit of a Jason riff. Yeah. Was, Jason Schriff was mad. Yes. Tiger was, or uh, Jimmy was mad. I think we sent a club over. Didn't yeah, we that was nice. Sign? An autograph club, which <laughs> Jimmy <laughs> wanted to use to hit you guys. <laughs> It wasn't my fault, which was great. The the one night we did have a good time. Uh, we had Sean Alexander on. We uh, we had announced Sean as the cover guy before, and I think ESPN was doing a boxing party that night. That's true. Uh, so we were at your place. We had we had now we had we had Sean on. Sean goes on, announces he's on the cover of Madden, and then I said to Sean, "Who else was on?" Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan was on. And I said, hey, Sean, let's, there's a boxing match across the street over at the Roosevelt. It's an ESPN party. Let's go over and hang out. And he was like, great. And Tracy Morgan's like, can I come? <laughs> like, it was kind of funny, yeah. Yeah, I was like, sure. So I think uh, you, me, Scott come. Yeah, Scott, Scott, of Scott would always change his mind and come. Scott's the music booker there. He's a super good dude. So we, with Tracy Morgan and Sean Alexander, rolled over that. What was your highlight of that party? I have a, I have a specific memory. That was I got to see Jerome Bettis again, which was nice, you know what I mean? And Matt Leinart and a couple other people. But um, I remember... You had Haley Joe Osmond on your lap, who was drunk and passed uh, out. Hey, that was my and favorite. That was my favorite joke of the night. I'm literally sitting with Haley Joe Osmond is sitting next to me, um, which is just a random sighting. And I'm with Sean Alexander, and all of a sudden, Haley Joe Osmond passes out and falls into my lap. And I just looked at John. and I'm like, I see drunk people, which I thought <laughs> I still I still think is the best joke. That it was pretty funny. <laughs> Yeah, I think you j- kind of gently nudged him off until he was on a bench. Yeah, I was out of there. As soon as that happened, I was out of there. Yeah. Uh, I So I called some of the guys at, at Camel and told them that I was having you on. And I said, what What are some stories that I could tell, that I could get John to tell to embarrass him? And they said, the time that he took Snoop and Anna Nicole Smith up to meet Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, that wasn't good, actually. Can you, um, can you, so that's from Jason. Jason wanted, me, wanted you to share that story. Oh, know. that was really nice of him. Um, so tell, tell us that story. I know nothing about this story. This was um, literally a text from Jason. So we had Snoop on, as you know, our first week. And then Anna Nicole came on and Jimmy, she actually did a really nice art piece for Jimmy and gave it to him. And so all of a sudden I saw them and the audience together, which was kind of odd. And so I... Um, went over there and they said, oh, we'd love to see Jimmy. And I go, okay, well, let me take you back. And I kind of, they were really good lookalikes. I got to give myself that. You know, they, they were definitely weren't the ones that were on Hollywood Boulevard, but they were not Snoop and it was not Anna Nicole. And I brought them into Jimmy's dressing room and Jimmy even put on a, a Snoop Dogg sweat shirt that Snoop had given So him. did you tell him that Snoop is here and wants yeah. to see you? Yeah. Okay. And then um, I walked them in. <laughs> And I probably should have known better, but I walked them in, and then Jimmy was just horrified to realize that they weren't the real ones. And then I was so embarrassed, I just ran away. And Jimmy ended up speaking to them for 45 minutes. And he goes, he even told me, uh, I had to go live on the show to talk about it. He goes, I wasn't mad at you for bringing them into my dressing room. I was mad that they weren't real, and then you left. And you didn't take them with you, you know what I mean? So he got stuck talking to him for 45 minutes. You literally left. And then he goes, wait, wait, aren't you part of my talent crew? Don't you get the guests? And I go, yeah, but I just do sports people. I didn't know what celebrities look like, you know. Anyway, it was not a good moment. I still have that picture on my refrigerator still. Of what? Of Jimmy, with uh, with, (laughs) which I had to take the picture of, Anna Nicole and Snoop. 
And Jimmy did not want to keep the picture for some reason. He gave it to me. <laughs> that's not one of the ones that's in the hallway. No. <laughs> you should swap one of yeah, those. I should. Out. Yeah, I know. Just as a joke. <laughs> just to see if you ever Oh, you know what? This. I'm going to blow it up and give it to Jimmy for his birthday this year. <laughs> yeah, that'd be perfect. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that's so funny. That's almost like the time that you called out Alex Rodriguez at Soho House when we were there, which was even, I'm not sure if it was as embarrassing, but almost. That was pretty embarrassing. Are we going to go there? Uh, you, t- you tell your version of the story. Okay. Well, Chris called me up and goes, do you want to have lunch at Soho House? And that's like, you know, an invitation for Scott. I go to go to Mastro's. So of course I said, <laughs> yes. So I immediately race over there and I meet Chris and I get up there and Chris is at a single table for two. And, uh, well positioned. And, uh, I said, Hey, Chris, I go, where the fuck is Alex Rodriguez? You know, where's a rod? What the fuck? And uh, all of a sudden, A-Rod appears behind me, 10 feet away. And Chris told me that he was there and that he was sitting near him. And this uh, you chair said, was... where are you sitting? Because we can't talk on the phone there. I'm like, I'm uh, two tables behind Alex Rodriguez. Okay, but I didn't see A-Rod when I went in there. So I walk in and I just go, you know, where the fuck is A-Rod? Just kind of being funny because nobody else was around. I didn't see anybody. And so, and I never cuss when I say hi to my friends at first. Anyway, um, all of a sudden, out of this high chair... That looked like an Alice in Wonderland high chair. He appears above it and says, hey, what do you want from me? Who's this? And I go, oh, hey, Rod. And he goes, who are you? And I go, oh, it doesn't matter. And I Which go, is embarrassing for me because I used to run the visiting clubhouse for the Mariners. So I had been friends with Alex for a long time. But I wasn't going to bother him or talk to him or, or anything. I, well, I wasn't wanna, I didn't want him to see me. I just was there. I wasn't either. I was so just like, trying my to, guess is like, where's Alex Rodriguez? I just wanted to mess with, the, with you, actually. And then he goes, uh, what do you want from me? And I go, oh, nothing. And he goes, well, like, you obviously, how did you know I was going to be here? And I go, some friends told me you were going to be here. And he goes, what friends? And I go, oh, it doesn't matter. And I just tried to defuse the situation. I go, I'm sorry to bother you. And he goes, yeah, whatever. And he was clearly pissed off. And so I sat down, and then Chris goes, we have to move immediately. And I said, we got to go. Yeah, and I go, no, let's just sit this one out. We'll be fine. So two of my friends that I previously worked with at Best Dam came walking in about 15 minutes. Well, right after lunch, because we were doing the bill. And... uh, I paid in case anybody was interested. Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I don't think I've ever ate food you pay for in my life. That's fine. And so, uh, anyway, um, I was walking, getting ready to walk out, and then my friends, Bardia and, and John, who work at Fox, said, hey, Carlin, what's up? And I go, hey, guys, what's going on? And then A-Rod stands up immediately and goes, are these your friends? And I go, yeah, they're my friends. He goes, oh, we're good then. And so, so I, he goes, and then they kind of invited us over. So Chris and I went over and much like the Warren Sapp story, we end up having drinks with Alex and his friends. Yeah. We became <laughs> friends with them really quickly. And of course, Alex remembered Chris and gave him the hug, you know, and I was doing a bro hug with him before we left. And so we went from being enemies to friends. It was embarrassing. Um, back to your regular stories. How many times have you taken, uh, the airplane, the Disney's plane? Oh, the Disney jet? Yeah. My guys, like, how many times have you taken guys? Ooh, probably like six or seven. Yeah. But each time has been an adventure, you know, because I'm, I'm, we, we bring the plane up and it's very expensive to bring. It's like, you know, depending on where we're going, anywhere from 50000 to 100000 And um, we bring the plane up and it just sits there hoping that I get somebody from the Super Bowl or from somebody from the NBA championships or, you know, something like, you know, World Series guests like Chris Bryant we had on from the Cubs. Um, but somehow we always get somebody. I don't know how, but it's it's scary because we don't really have anybody booked before we before the World Series starts or, you know, um, before the Super Bowl, before the NBA Finals. But we've been able to get, you know, we had Kevin Durant on last year. And so it's kind of fun just to hop on the plane by myself and then head up to Oakland and then bring back Kevin Durant to our show and then 
you know, he went back to Oakland by himself, but with his agent and stuff. But it was really, you know, it's kind of fascinating to be on a, a you know, Bob Iger's jet and, you know, whizzing around the air when, you know, yeah. I'm just a talent booker at a, at a late night talk show. <laughs> but another, one of the funniest things was uh, I remember it was in Arizona for the Super Bowl and Rob Gronkowski was going to come back with us and he wanted to bring his whole family. And uh, we had it's, it's a 15 passenger plane, so there was enough room. But I remember going to the airport, and I was late getting there, and uh, the whole family was mad at me. You know, they were furious because I was, you know, they they got there at 9.30, and they realized that I would booked the takeoff time for 11.30. And with the private jet, you can pretty much leave when everybody gets there. You know, you don't have to be there two hours early like normal <laughs> airports. But, of course, I was being, you know, careful because once you have that, that takeoff time, you have to adhere to it. And... Um, anyway, I just thought the Gronkowskis might be tardy, but I was the one that was tardy, so they weren't too happy. And then I remember I... I Who would think the Gronkowskis would be late for a private plane? Right? I know. They stayed up all night, though, but they were pretty tired, and they just they were mad. And they just said, hey, is there any way you can move up the plane? And all of a sudden, John Legend walked through the door of the, uh, the uh, little small private airport that they have. And I said, oh, hey, John, you know, uh, Rob Gronkowski wanted to say hello to you and tell you what a great job you did, like singing the anthem last night, you know, and... You know, this is the day after the Super Bowl, and so he goes, they really? had no interest in talking to him when you told him that. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, but he went over and talked to him, and so <laughs> the Gronkowskis were taking pictures, so that bought me a half an hour. And then in the meantime, I moved up the jet an hour, so as soon as they were done with the, you know, John Legend, and I uh, just kind of jumped on um, uh, jumped on the plane. No, I mean, we got on the plane or got out of there. And then the Gronkowski family uh, uh, had fun at the Lowe's Hotel and bought drinks for everybody at the pool, you know, on the Kimmel Were they tab. respectful on the private plane? They, uh, I want to say yes, but no. Um, we had a food fight, and uh, we had some other <laughs> things happen. Food fight on a private plane. I know it was it was quite comical. The poor guy from Disney just kept the door shut and didn't even come to see us because he was scared to get hit by sandwiches. Gotta close the bathroom door next time. Huh? And there was a bathroom door <laughs> incident where one of the Gronkowskis decided to talk to us while uh, you know <laughs> using the restroom. Yeah, <laughs> what? A- I didn't say it. Well, uh, tell me your uh, tell me your Matt Leinart story. Was that the Orange Bowl? Yeah, that was the Orange Bowl. Um, we wanted Matt Leinart on because he had been a friend of the shows, and um, you know, of course, you know USC was our hometown team. You know, for Kimmel, and uh, I remember he said that um, I I tried to talk to Tim Tesselone, the uh, athletic director for USC, and I told him that Nick Lachey wanted to come with um, Matt Leinart because they both were going to do our show together, because they both wanted to come on together. And this is right after Matt won the Orange Bowl. So um, I, I made an arrangement where Jessica Simpson, who was going out with Nick Lachey at the time, was uh, going to come back on the jet with Nick. But he didn't, she didn't show up, so I was in trouble with the USC team. Because <laughs> she was supposed to be on that jet. And she decided to stay in Miami. So, um, But anyway, Matt Leinart was great. And um, Nick Lachey and Matt Leinart came on that day. And it was a fun time, right? The day after the Orange Bowl. Yeah, no, that was a big. That was a big game for him. Are those? Um, I mean, it's always challenging to get that stuff. I, I think one of the more challenging things you probably have to do is mean tweets. Getting, yeah, mean tweets is hard. Getting these guys to read the mean tweets. Yeah, but it's gotten easier. The, you know, so many famous people have done them. Like Obama and has done them. You know, and like once Obama, president does it. You know, pretty much everybody wants to do it. You well, know? It was tougher when people like, what the fuck's a mean tweet? Like, yeah, like mean? in the very beginning, I think people, you know, I had to send over this outrageous, like the writers would send me these these crazy tweets that were, you know, full of profanity and like, you know, 
objectable words and I'm sending emails out to these publicists that are friends of mine, you know, saying, will your client read this on the air for us? You know, and they never even knew what mean tweets were and they're going, uh, fuck no, you know? And so they would like, you know, just say, Hey, this isn't going to happen. But we, once everybody started doing it, it, it's probably one of the biggest hits. Yeah. Jimmy's uh, wife, Molly is the one that came up with it. And it's, uh, you know, just from all the mean things that people say on Twitter about people, she thought it'd be funny to have them read their own mean tweets and, it's been a huge hit, and you know it's been probably one of our most popular bits that we've had on the show. Yeah, that one and getting Manny Pacquiao to sing has to be one of the bigger. Yeah, that was a tough one. I remember <laughs> uh, we told Jimmy that Manny was going to sing, and he goes like, "Okay." And I remember uh, Jimmy was not exactly um, sold on Manny being a guest. Whose idea was to have Manny sing? Because I know he likes karaoke. Yeah, I think I. You know what? I think um, we were trying to do something different with him because his English was not good at the time. And we didn't want to put Jimmy in a position where he had to interview him for, you know, eight or nine minutes. And so I think we just decided to have him do, he loved that song, Sometimes When We Touch, you know what I mean? And uh, we had him sing, and I remember looking at Jimmy, and I was with Fred Sternberg, who's Manny's publicist, and we were both looking at Jimmy because we were both, we didn't know how this was going to go. It could have been a, it could have been a crash, you know what I mean? And I remember Jimmy just like smiling and just kind of nodding through it and the crowd was all into it. And Manny really hit a home run that night, even though he's a boxer and, uh, and just did a really good rendition of sometimes when we touch so much so that, um, that was his song and he did it a bunch of other places. And so it was a knockout more than a home run. Yeah. That's, a, that's so the way to say it. Yeah. Thanks for that. Did you, uh, what about Will Ferrell? Didn't you do a Will Ferrell song well, with him? That was a, that was a pretty funny story because, um, we had got Manny to sing like four or five times. He sang a BG song with Jimmy and he had sang some other songs. And, uh, I remember, uh, Mike Collins, who was a, uh, Manny's rep came over an hour before Manny was supposed to sing, um, with Will Ferrell and uh, I remember he came over and he goes, John, you know, uh, Manny decided he doesn't want to sing today. And so I went out to the floor where Will Ferrell was, you know, uh, rehearsing. Um, and uh, I remember telling Jason Schrift, our executive producer, hey, you know, by the way, Mike Hans just is telling me he's in the dressing room now that Manny doesn't want to sing. And Jason goes, you cannot be telling me that now. Look, Will's rehearsing. Will was in a white suit. They were doing a Beatles rendition. Um, and I remember uh, going back and telling Mike, like, hey, Mike, you know, we, we got to try to get Manny to sing. <laughs> Meanwhile, our stage manager was smart enough to lead Manny through the back because he was late from his, uh, you know, sparring. And uh, he ran right into Will Ferrell. And Will Ferrell goes, hey, Manny, come over here. We got we to rehearse this, you know, and... Uh, and then it was just comedy gold because him and Manny did um, a Beatles song that was just, you know, a knockout. Yeah, those are always such fun moments. Do you have, like, one memory of everybody you've had on the show that was kind of really special? I mean, obviously, you're super close with Kobe. You, I mean, you guys have had so many people on. Um, obviously, Russell Wilson, just being a Seahawk, because I love the Seahawks, is probably your favorite guest. He was, he, was, he was up there. I think when you came and met him afterwards was more of a thrill for you than me. But, but I, I think that Russell was just so down to earth and nice. Yeah. You well, know, who is and, your, what's your biggest moment of, all, of everybody you've had on? Or? I would say, you know what, I've had times when I've had to do shoots with Mike Tyson, and our crew wasn't exactly ready to go when we you know, were ready to shoot. And so they go, John, well, one time, I shouldn't say all the time, because usually we're always ready to go, but they sent me in and they go, John, go talk to Mike Tyson for a half an hour because we need to get this sorted out. 
And uh, I go in there, and I was kind of scared, you know. And we had Mike as a co-host, too, early on. And he showed up with his facial tattoo, and we were all scared of him. I was scared of him, and I booked him. And I, I was the one that had to go in and talk to him and say hi and stuff. And anyway, uh, I remember um, going in and talking to Mike, and Mike was just such a, a cool, cool guy and just wanted to talk, and you could talk to him about anything. Yeah. Um, I remember talking to him, and I just said, hey, do you ever regret being a boxer? And he goes, you know what, I... I, I the only thing I regret. Oh, I asked him about like uh, you know just all the money and stuff, and I go, how come you gave away your Rolls Royce, and how come you were giving away money, and you you know you didn't really care about money? And he goes, you know, when I was growing up, and I was in the hood, and you know in Brooklyn, and I just didn't have any money, you know, and I just it it didn't like it didn't mean anything to me, so I never appreciated it when I had it because I was so used to not having it. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But I got to become friends with Mike, yeah. and you know, um, I just over the years and seen him so many times. I think he's been a good guest because I think I, I really do believe that if it wasn't for us having Mike on and Jimmy doing such a great job interviewing him, you know, he wouldn't have had that you know career with the movies with the Hangover and stuff like that. Because I think they saw nobody would have booked Mike when we were booking him, sure. and then to have Mike come on our show and just be so cool and you know like an everyday guy um, and so composed, I think it you know it kind of made him more appealing to other shows. He was, uh, yeah, we did a we did a boxing fight night game with uh, Ali versus Tyson was the game. And we were in the middle of negotiating kind of the deal with him. And he was in rehab at the time. And we were doing, I think it was Madden 08, we were doing a party at Ledoux in Hollywood. Yep. And I really wanted to have Mike at the party. And his agent was like, look, he's, a, he's in rehab. And I'm like... <laughs> But I want to sign this deal. So, like, we somehow got him to literally take a limo, leave rehab, pick him up at rehab, sneak him out of rehab, drove him to the party. We had, like, a clean room with no alcohol, and we kind of brought him in the back door uh, and just did kind of a quick media, you know, walk the red carpet, do a media thing. He was there for 10 minutes. But I, I got, saw him there. I was out to do that yeah, because that was, of you. Yeah, it was a fun night. And I... The facial tattoo, and he's intimidating. I sat with him and talked for him for a while, but the nicest most gentle person he comes across obviously he's got histories and all the kind of stuff that he's been through but uh yeah it was kind of always interesting i got to do that and i also got to i got to go to muhammad ali's house during that i think it was the arizona super bowl oh that's awesome i got to sit on muhammad's couch with muhammad and watch fight videos well sandy sandoval our athlete uh was talking to his uh talking to his wife while i got to watch Videos of Mike or of uh, Ollie with with him, which is wow, yeah, which is pretty cool. So that's a that's a yeah, we're pretty blessed. Yeah, some definitely some some fun stuff. So I appreciate you coming out and doing this. It was fun. Well, I'm not done. What else you got? No, I just uh, no, I'm just kidding. I just I'm lucky for all the stuff that I've been able to do. Same with you, you know. And I think the best part of it is just the friendships that you get from you know being in this industry and getting to meet these sort of people but the people that are around these people are you know very cool too and that's i think that's always my favorite part about everything was you was working with you guys i think we did we did remember orlando when we did the gillette yes series of champions yep who who was i can't even Derek jeter Derek jeter and we went to interview tiger woods for his new game so it was tiger tiger like this is literally on site so you play all of the ea sports games and if you won it was before esports was around if you won kind of the challenge that we had put in the games you would get to go to this event and you would get to if you won the the 
I can't even remember. Uh, if you won the NASCAR series, Jimmy, you get to play with Jimmy Johnson. So we had Jimmy Johnson. We had Derek Jeter. Uh, we had... Uh, there was a wrestler there, John Cena. John Cena was there. We had all that stuff. And we had... Uh, Derek uh, Jeter was there. Guillermo came out and did a, a piece. You guys did a live piece there, which was fun. But, I mean, I always... I think I... Was I the first one to do live reads? Yeah, you were the first on one show. to do integrations with us. And that started our whole integrations, um, you know, which we still do today. We did... The, I, I remember doing the first one with you guys. I think I did the first music week when we did it for Madden. We did a Madden we, week, too. We did... Uh, was, I did that with Scott where we took the soundtrack. Steve Schneider had booked... An amazing soundtrack, and we had worked with you guys to every night. So instead of saying from albums, it'd be like from the you know from the Madden soundtrack. Here's Fall Out Boy here, yeah. whoever we were working with at the time, which was amazing. So yeah, a lot of great relationships with you. Guys. I think I we love- had a lot of Madden players on, uh, or the the covers, um, you know, from all your games on our show. We did a lot. I think we were the first one to put video game people on your show because I think before that we were doing. I think we did Donovan. We would just do a hotel room, and we would. Just kind of cycle and press and do the questions, but we wanted to have kind of bigger moments. We ended up doing the cover vote later, um, but before that, we wanted that kind of moment. So I think Sean was probably the first. I think that we yeah. put on, and we would announce the cover on our show, which was kind of cool too. Yeah, and Vince, and then and then I think uh, I had to do Brett Favre in New York, so I didn't get to do you guys. I think we did Letterman that night. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, sorry, it wasn't Jimmy so. Um, so yeah, we've obviously some great relationships and some fun times over the year with hopefully lots more to come. Yep. Totally. Well, thanks, Chris. I really appreciated, uh, you having me out here and you could tell us, Jason, thanks for all the topics that you gave me to talk to you about. I'm going to talk to him about that. (laughs) I'm going to have my own podcast and give it to him. There you go. Thanks for coming out. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks.